good morning and welcome. It's Thursday, the day after, and it's also the first day of August. Uh, I hate to say it. Back to school has started uh, here in the Valley of Sun. I know a lot of places it's still a little later, but it's all coming in the next, probably what, next 30 30 days or so, every all the kiddies are headed back to school, and vacation time is over, and everybody's got to go back to work. And, well, you know what? Some of us, I don't know, really, anymore. A lot of people anymore, right? What's a vacation? A vacation is a long weekend, right? Because, hey, at the end of the day, that's all most people can afford. 800-951-0592. That is our toll-free number. Of course, I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group, legal, lawful, constitutional tender, something we refer to around here as wealth insurance. Of course, talking about gold and silver. Uh, the website at allamericangold.com and uh, Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve yesterday. And it was quite an event. Uh, they lowered rates. That wasn't a surprise. Uh, it, it all had to do about the actual press conference. Uh, and nobody was very happy yesterday. Uh, the Dow was down uh, 300 and I think it was 350 points afterwards. Uh, gold was close. So the gold market closes before. Uh, the the Fed announcement got made, uh, but but after hours, uh, gold had gold fell ten dollars before it closed. Matter of fact, gold got all the way down, uh, all the way down to fourteen hundred dollars early this morning, uh, and it's now risen uh, risen back here. Gold's right now at fourteen hundred and sixteen dollars. Uh, so I'm going to tell you. That gold's like down ten, but Kitco's probably says it's maybe like it's up a dollar. Doesn't matter. Uh, Fourteen sixteen silver uh, at sixty dollars and fifteen cents. Silver got hit a little harder, uh, but both the metals coming back. Uh, we had very poor economic data out. That's what changed everything. So believe it or not, uh, the Dow was down this morning. Gold and silver were down big. Uh, then we got some bad economic data. The Dow is now up 250, so it's made up, you know, all but about 100 points of yesterday's sell-off as Jay Powell in the press conference really struggled. Uh, we, 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 we are seeing this uh, a lot from him uh, where, uh, you know, it's not every meeting that he's bad, uh, but, uh, you know, every third or fourth meeting, right? Remember the December meeting. Uh, and, and all the troubles he had there, uh, not one of the great performances by Jay Powell. We'll break it all down. I'll tell you what it was that, that got everybody all upset uh, in, in the next segment. Right now, though, the 10-year note uh, down to 195. Uh, 195 is the yield on a U.S. 10-year note. And remember uh, what we talked about yesterday. Right, so we talked about how UBS, Credit Suisse, and really now you're probably going to see it all over Europe, where the Europeans, the European banks, are going to start charging their depositors in their of their banks. Right, they're going to start charging them 
for having the money in there. Uh, right now, it's just going to be businesses and what they're calling uh, high-wealth clients. And uh, the problem is, is as the rates get lower and lower, right, they go farther negative, uh, it's going to be everybody. And I think this is one of the things that we probably are worried about here. One of the things I think the central bank uh, may be worried about here as well. So the 10-year note at 196, as an example, the German 10-year note, the German boom, right, it's at negative uh, 0.44, right? So almost negative half of a percent. Uh, and so you're going to start see this uh, happening and a lot and a lot more, especially if the European central banks cuts rates even in further into negative territory uh, in September, which is what most people are expecting. And so as we watch all of this play out, what the Federal Reserve, uh, what they ha- are going to do next, how much ammo do they have, how many tools do they have, should they have cut rates, should they not have cut rates, uh, all of those things. We're going to break that all down for you. Plus we'll talk about uh, the economic news of the day uh, and what, what, what it was that kind of changed the market this morning. Uh, like I said, gold was down to 1400 silver was down to uh, $16. The Dow was negative again, right? It was kind of feeling like, uh-oh, right? Do we got December all over again? Uh, and then some economic data came out that really changed the market and now has people believing, hey, it didn't matter what Jay Powell said because of the fact that as long as the, the data doesn't come in too hot, Uh, it's going to work out just fine. We'll break that all down for you. Got that coming up next. Don't touch that dial. 800-951-0592. Patriot Radio News Hour. Talking about the central bank. You really think, I mean, that this group of private bankers who, quote, unquote, hey, you know, we have complete authority here. And you're not allowed to tell us what to do, and, and you're not allowed to have any oversight over what we do, and you don't worry. We know better than you, right? I mean, that's really what they're saying. And somehow, by manipulating data and interest rates, that they can control the entire world, Right? I mean, that's the fantasy. This is, this is what they, they put into our heads because they want us, they need us to believe this. That, hey, don't worry about the real data. Right? Let's use this seasonally adjusted stuff. It's better, right? It's like, it, it's like why do they have six different unemployment, or, well, six different unemployment rates, six different inflation rates? And, and six, it may be more on inflation. Why do they have that many? How can you have that many? Right? It, right? Isn't it one rate? Right? If you use, hey, here's our metrics, here's our rules, right? And this is what we're going to do. But no, they've got six, ten, twelve. They got all kinds of numbers. Why? And of course, always seemingly, too, by the way, with unemployment, with inflation, right? They always say, they, all, they always pick the lowest number. Because, once again, right, well, we, we, we want people to think we're doing a real good job. 
And so Jay Powell was out, and they made this quarter of a point rate cut, which, you know, uh, and, and it's funny, back in the day, back in the, in the day, right, the 80s, the central bank they didn't give press conferences. They didn't go out when they were speaking and, and you know, what, what they – what the market's like, hey, the Fed needs to deliver. They need to tell us what it is they're going to do ahead of time, right? Which, once again, takes away the whole the whole thing about how independent they should be. Obviously, they're not independent at all. But they, were, they let it be known that this was going to come. Now, they, they vote on this, and, and it's more of a, oh, gosh, uh, a symbolic thing. You know, and so they vote, and uh, they have nine or ten members take a vote. Uh, it just depends on if they've got all the seats filled or not. So yesterday, the vote when they released it, they said it was eight to two. Eight eight of the governors voted to cut rates. Two of them voted not to, and. And you're thinking about, hey, okay, you know, you got ten people in a room, and and everyone's got different opinions, and and so you know, yeah, sure, I can see that. Right? Think about how hard it is, uh, like for a jury to get these unanimous decisions and all this and that. Uh, at the central bank, that is very rare. It's very, very rare to have more than a single dissenter. And even a single dissenter is unusual. That happens, but it's unusual. The last time we had two dissenters, you have to go back to the financial crisis. And the reason why there was two was because some of the them actually wanted a bigger rate cut, right? Right? They were they were cutting rates, and I'm like, no, oh, we got to go bigger. Right? They still all wanted rate cuts, but uh, that was unusual. And and that was the first thing. The market's like, ah, okay. Does that mean we're not going to get more? Everybody wanted to know was, are we going to keep cutting rates? Because right now, here's what the market's got priced in. Two rate cuts this year. So we got one. The market's already priced in a second. And, and really, a second and, and, and possibly a third, but at least a second in talking about a third and a fourth coming next year, right? That that was that was what was priced in, right? That that was priced into Wall Street. We're going to get this rate cut. Jay Powell is going to come out and be dovish and say, "Hey, if we need to, we're going to cut rates again." And then when that rate cut happened, the market wanted to hear, "Hey, we're going to look at it in 2020. If we need to cut again, we will." And then Jay Powell started talking. And this is when it all fell apart. He, I don't know if he didn't get enough sleep. Maybe his, you know, maybe his wife and him are in a fight, or you know, uh, his kids called him up and said, "Dad, I need, I need some money." I don't know. He, he was having a bad day, and and just was everywhere. At one point, he said. Hey, uh, we're, we're, we're you know we're watching you know the usual we're watching the data and if the data warrants you know we'll we'll, we'll cut the rate. Then at another point he said this was a just a a a, a midterm adjustment, right? And oh, that got everybody everybody going crazy. 
kind of implying, and really, you know what this was? I'll tell you what it was, and they can't say it. We screwed up in December, and this is our way of fixing it. Right, but they, that would have been the honest answer. But that's not the answer he gave. And then, if that wasn't bad enough, because you got to remember, so he'll he'll make a comment, and then the reporters start asking him questions, and seemingly every single question he gave a different answer. Then he said, and this is what got everything upset, because when the number first came out and he first started talking, the Dow was up. Matter of fact, gold and silver were up. And when he gave the, you know, the usual, hey, we're watching the data, and if it warrants it, you know, we'll, we'll cut again. Everybody liked that. Then he talked about it being some midterm adjustment. Nobody liked that. Kind of saying, hey, this was a one-off, right? This was just a one-off. This, this may be a one-and-done. And then they another question got asked, and then he said, hey, it's very possible we could start raising rates again. And then that was it. Everything went to you-know-what, the ad basket. Uh, the, the president got all fired up, uh, got out, you know, let's face it, he loves Twitter. But the market wanted to hear from Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve what that, that was that this was the beginning of a lengthy and ag- an aggressive rate-cutting cycle which would keep pace with China, the European Union, and other countries around the world. So as usual, Powell let us down. But at least he is ended ending quantitative tightening which shouldn't have started in the first place. No inflation. We are winning anyway. But I am certainly not getting much help from the Federal Reserve. And so that was the other part of the meeting. The balance sheet runoff is officially over. It was actually supposed to go another. It was supposed to be over in September. Uh, They shut it down early. So it was, things have gotten a little, here's what they need to do. Here's the problem. They need more people to buy treasuries. So right now, uh, the one good thing Jay Powell did yesterday, because I really only think he did one good thing, which was he ended this this balance sheet runoff. So remember, at the height of the crisis, right, and and the, we had the bailout of the banks, right? Remember the snow job and Hank Paulson. They, they came up. Uh, I think it was Hank Paulson that they came up with the 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 two sheets of paper and said, "Hey, give all the banks." Like $750 billion, right? And then the Federal Reserve, remember, they started talking about all these new tools in the toolkit, right? It wasn't a hammer or a saw, but it was quantitative easing. And that was where they started purchasing debt, right? In other words, debt wasn't created, right? Nope, They, they, they instead said, hey, let us buy this debt. And a lot of it was what? Mortgage-backed securities and treasuries. That's what they bought. And remember, they didn't do it once. They didn't do it twice. They did it three times. And they bought bought about four 
trillion dollars of this debt. Where did they get the money? Right? That's that's a great question. Where did that come from? Well, they just made it up. Right? So when you think about the debt, right? I keep saying twenty three trillion. Right? Because that's the current number. You know, I'm I'm light about four trillion, because that's debt as well. But they wanted to, you know, as the story goes, like, and so just know this cycle that they keep trying to convince us is what happens, right? The debt rises in the bad times. And that makes sense, right? People go, okay, I get it, right? You need, uh, you need to stimulate, right? You need to help people out, right? So the government starts spending more money, right? Everybody gets that, okay. And, of course, interest rates, what, get lowered when things are bad. We want to stimulate. But now we're in a whole different world, right? We have essentially right here pretty close all-time record high debt levels. And I'm talking about annually, right? We're, you know, $1 trillion, $2 trillion, $3 trillion. You know, yesterday I told you $814 billion. For the next six months. And so we've got to sell this stuff. Right? For the government to borrow the money. Right? The Treasury Department issues $800 billion worth of Treasury notes. Okay? And they, there are all kinds. Three month, six month, year, two year, five year, ten year, thirty year. Right? Inflation adjusted, non-inflation adjusted. You name it. you got to sell it. And so the central bank, with all of this stuff that they had bought, they were also selling. And it was causing problems. Right? Remember, I talk about how the bid-to-cover ratios have been so bad at these auctions. So the Federal Reserve yesterday said, hey, we're done. We're done selling the balance sheet altogether. But here's what they're going to do. Starting today, they have this mix of treasuries and and mortgage-backed securities. They're going to keep selling the mortgages and take that money to buy treasuries to the tune of an additional $20 billion a month until they're out of treasury or out of mortgage uh, mortgage backed notes to sell. So they're going to help the bond auctions a little bit by saying, hey, every month we're going to be buying $20 billion worth of treasuries to kind of help what? Help us what? Sell all this stuff. The balance sheet's going to be the same when they're done. The only thing they're going to hold, $3.8 or $3.9 trillion will all be U.S. Treasury. So that was the one thing that I think that was actually a good thing. That that needed to happen. And again, I don't know what took them so long. This quantitative tightening, uh, the idea was, well, we're in the recovery. And, and again, I keep telling you, what is the recovery really? It's been tax breaks, and it's been deficit spending. I mean, that's really the recovery. I mean, if, if the government went back to... Could you imagine if the deficit was only $500 billion? You know, I don't even know if that's going to be possible anymore. The interest on the debt, 
I keep talking about the interest of the debt. It's almost $500 billion by itself. That's why I think the rates are going to go negative, by the way. So that 10-year note at 196, part of that reason, part of the reason why you saw a big fall in that 10-year note was because now the Federal Reserve is going to be an active buyer of treasuries. The big question is, when the mortgage uh, securities run out, are they going to keep buying? This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. From Memorial Day and Flag Day to Independence Day and Labor Day, Americans love to celebrate America. Fireworks, barbecues, air shows, and parades are among our most beloved traditions. You'd never catch a Democrat committing political suicide by complaining about these cherished patriotic displays, would you? Yet liberals erupted with a strange phobia as soon as President Trump suggested we include tanks in the Independence Day festivities at our nation's capital. President Trump has long wanted to have a military parade in D.C. He proposed one for Veterans Day, but liberals blocked him by manufacturing exaggerated cost estimates. This time, the phony argument against including tanks was that they might somehow harm our roads and infrastructure. Liberals don't really care about the status of America's roads. They're too busy flying around in their private jets to care about infrastructure. The reality is liberals oppose the powerful images of tanks rolling down Pennsylvania Avenue while Trump is president. The tank symbolizes military might, and the entire world should see the military hardware that President Trump commands lest anyone think of challenging us. The millions of children of World War II veterans do not forget how instrumental the American tank was in winning back Europe from the grip of the Nazis and their blitzkrieg warfare. The unforgettable symbolism of the tank under the direction of President Trump is the real reason liberals did everything they could to prevent Trump from invoking that image under his leadership. The tools of Trump's opponents are fake news, endless lawsuits, and gender politics. But rogue nations who ignore our nuclear deterrence and shoot down our drones don't care about gender politics. They're lawless terrorists who will seize any chance they get to kill Americans. They see our preoccupation with lawsuits and political doublespeak to be a weakness. President Trump's tanks made sure these bad actors were reminded of the powerful, active might of U.S. ground forces. When Americans celebrate America, we show the world we will never let freedom be overcome with darkness. As our attention turns from the summer holidays to Labor Day, Veterans Day, and even Thanksgiving, remember to join President Trump in celebrating the America we all fight for. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. America is safe only when America is strong. Our national defense requires the most modern technology and best trained soldiers, and there should be no social politics or idle threats coming out of Washington. At phyllisschlafly.com, we take this work very seriously. Please visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 800-951-0592. How low can they go? And what we already know, right? Germany's the leader. They're negative half of a percent of really, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't go to negative two, three, four, right? It's a tool in the toolkit. Uh, the biggest move today had to do with the 10-year note uh, and all that having to do with now the Federal Reserve 
in, has become a buyer of treasuries. Kind of like everybody else, right? We're, we're doing, here's what I don't get. So I'm watching this, and right, and, and listen, we can argue back and forth the, the logic of it all, right? Well, you know, it makes sense because, you know, we got a lot of debt, and we're trying to, to stimulate, and we're, we're, we're trying to do good things. I get it. But whose example are we following? The one example that comes to Japan, that's what we want. I mean, this is what they've done. When's the last time Japan had GDP growth, like, ever? I mean, they're, they're a country that for the last, what, 10, 15, maybe even now 20 years, hasn't had GDP growth of, you know, more than a, a percent for a year and, and, and again, it may even be longer than that. Most of the time, Japan's GDP is right about zero. And, and we're following that? Wait, Europe? We're following them? Right? And, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking, and, and, and when you're making these decisions, it's just a head-scratcher for me. I'm trying to look at this rationally. I, I think I'm a rational person. And when I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Isn't that, it's not like, we're, you know, no one else has ever done this before. And I'm looking at these countries that they're quote-unquote, you know, doing the exact same thing, right? Following the example of, they didn't get great GDP growth. Is Europe booming right now? No. Is Japan booming? No. Matter of fact... Both of those banks are already on record saying, hey, get ready, we're, we're cutting here next month. Right? And this is part of the reason why Trump was so upset. Hey, listen, these guys keep cutting. We got to keep cutting, right? That's kind of, you know, the way he's looking at it. And I'm thinking this is, this is the wrong thing, but here's what's going to happen. This is just the way I'm looking at it. When they run out of mortgages... Right. And remember, so every, they're starting this month with $20 billion. They can change it. I mean, they can sell $50 billion, right? I mean, they, they, they have, you know, and I don't know exactly how many they have. Uh, you know, let, let's, let's keep it simple. And I know this number will be close. Let's just say of the $3.8 trillion that they have, that somewhere around a trillion of it is mortgages. What happens when they run out of them? And I think the answer is going to be simple. We're going to probably see quantity. Wait, wait, and, and is it before or after they run out is debatable? We'll see more quantitative easing. I think we have now set ourselves up for, uh, just like all these other central banks, they're just going to be what? Buying it all. Right? Rates are never going to go up again. Uh, we didn't even get to 2.5%. They had to cut them. And, and they're never going to back to where they were. Anybody who thought that they were going to be able to retire and buy a CD or buy and live off the interest, remember, that was the story. And again, back to that the whole thing about the story that they told us. During the bad times, deficits go down in interest rate, or deficits go up, interest rates go down. During the good times, the deficit's supposed to go down, and interest rate are supposed to go 
up. Now we've entered this, we're in a phase, we were in a phase where interest rates were going up and the deficit was going up, right? That didn't last very long, did it? I mean, without the Trump tax cut, if we took the tax, that that tax cut away, we wouldn't have raised rates at all, right? I mean, I think all of us agree, right? If, if without the tax cuts, interest rates would have stayed zero or near zero, and the debt would still have been going up, right? We, 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 I think all of us agree, right? So the tax cut allowed them to raise some rates. Now that the tax cut's over, didn't take very long, did it? And we're back to lower rates and deficits climbing, which is what? A signal, at least historically, that, hey, things aren't going well. Things aren't going well. Deficits are going up. Interest rates are going down. That's usually what? Bad economy. So I, I think we're going to see the deficits uh, continuing to drive this. Uh, the reason, though, I said the one good thing that came out of the meeting is the, the mortgage-backed security buying has, has started. The selling of mortgages and the buying of treasuries started today. I mean, Jay Powell is very clear on that. They're starting right now. Uh, by the way, in case you wanted to know, uh, the Senate has now passed the new spending bill. So uh, the president's going to sign it into law uh, right on the heels of the Treasury saying, hey, don't worry, we'll buy $20 billion. <laughs> We'll buy $20 billion. But think about it. We're, we need $800 billion over six months. The Treasury starting with $20 billion. we got a long, long uh, way to go. Uh, but they have signed it into law. Get ready for more spending. Uh, by the way, the two economic pieces of data, and then we'll shift gears. Construction spending. Construction spending, it was the first time, and I I want to say 2012. It was December 2012, and I believe December 2013 was the last time we had back-to-back negative numbers on construction. And so we had a negative number last month. Uh, This month, they were actually looking for an increase of a tenth. Uh, Construction spending was down 1.3%. So uh, a whole lot more than they had. And then we had uh, PMI come out, and then we also had ISM come out. Uh, both of those numbers, I think PMI was the worst, I think, since 2009. Uh, ISM, the worst since before Trump got elected. Uh, and that's actually, believe it or not, that is what saved uh, the market today because they're like, okay, the 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 numbers were bad. Don't worry about what Jay Powell, because Jay Powell said three things yesterday. Oh, we could cut. We could do one and done. Uh, we may raise again. Uh, the data was bad today, so everyone's like, ah, don't worry. They are going to cut again. Yeah, so PMI, by the way, the worst in September of 09, 50.4. Remember, 50 is break even. Barely above ISM, 51.2. Not much better. Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm going to share with you the latest from the home builders when we get back. 
Hey, welcome back. 800-951-0592. I don't know that any interest rate will be low enough. Uh, this was crazy. This has been happening. I know it's been happening, uh, but it's finally here in Arizona now. It didn't take long, but the build for rent space is starting to get crowded. Scottsdale, Arizona-based Taylor Morrison just announced a partnership with Christopher Todd Communities, also based in the state, to build single-family rent-only communities. Yes, folks, this is the great economic expansion. Have you not figured it out yet? And I know, listen, I want us to thrive. I want us to do well. There's no way following economic policies like countries like Japan and Europe are going to lead us there. There's no way. And then people keep talking about, oh, it's fine, 20, 22 trillion, 23 trillion, 30 trillion, 40 trillion, 50 trillion. It's okay. We don't need to have interest rates. You know what? Why don't we just make them zero? Get it over with. Guess what? Officially starting today, the United States will not pay any interest on the debt any longer. Right? No interest. For anybody in the world. And if you're unlucky, well, you'll get charged for the interest. And don't worry, only rich people will be able to buy houses. Right? Think about it, right? You get a house today, a 30 year, for less than 4%. We're right around it. Could you imagine if rates got negative enough? that you can borrow it with a negative rate. But again, you still have to qualify. And no one can. I've been saying it, I don't even know for how long now. You know what's funny is now that the trade war with China has happened, sales have gotten worse. Right? Because the Chinese, believe it or not, they bought a lot of houses here. People were saying that the Chinese bought, like, I don't even know, 140, 150,000 new homes on now the trend is it's part of a rent uh, they're, they're calling this the trend now right the trend is your friend builders stepping into the single family rental space either on their own or partnering with established rental companies Taylor Morrison joining Lennar and Toll Brothers, all who have started building homes for rent. Lennar sells its properties to investors. Right? Think about it. How great is that? Yeah. Hey, we're going to build this community out here. We're going to have. We're going to build 300 homes and and all the big Wall Street companies. You guys just buy them all, and then you guys can rent them out, and it'll be great. You know. And don't worry, no one will be able to afford them, so you're fine. Yeah, you'll be the landlord forever. Just imagine. You know, you wait five or ten years, and you know how these companies are going to do They'll just refine. They'll never pay off the whole, right? They'll just refinance them, right? 
The rents will keep going up. It'll be great. I mean, what do you think's going to happen? Right? Remember, Obamacare, we need everybody to have health care. What happened? Everyone's rates went through the roof. Right now, hey, guess what? We need we need a nation of renters. What's happened to the rents? Right? Have the rents gone down? Right? And this town, I can't even tell you how many apartments they built. It seems like thousands of them have been built. Every space that's getting cleared out is some form of apartment building or condo or whatever. Now, uh, single-family homes. I wonder if they're going to count these as home sales. I bet you they are. Right? Could you imagine? Hey, new home sales this month were 750000 Number of people that bought them that actually are going to live in the homes, 200,000, right? I mean, that's probably what we're going to be looking at. Three developments are coming to Phoenix, and it doesn't matter. When I say Phoenix, scratch out Phoenix, write your city in there. It's coming. The expectation is to expand this business over the next several years, bringing more rental communities to more markets. It's coming every where you know and here's the reason hey if we build these homes and we don't put them for rent people can't afford them we can't build them cheap enough for people to actually be able to afford to buy them right because otherwise right why not do it the way they've always done it and the answer is because nobody's buying them Taylor Morrison, CEO, says they expect to sell the homes to investors initially. But they may consider other options over time. What other option is there? Maybe they'll all create, I guess they could create what? Hey, we'll create our own rental uh, rental division, right? Taylor Morrison Rentals, right? Toll Brother Rentals, right? Toll Brothers, they could be like the high-end rentals. Right, you know, you go in and hey, if you want uh, granite countertops and and uh, you know upgraded tile, right? You go to Toll Brothers and then like Taylor Morrison, you know, that's more for the middle class, right? Hey, maybe uh, you'll get the granite countertops, but you get the standard carpet, you know. And then maybe we can get somebody, you know, like KB Home or somebody like that. They can do the low end stuff, right? Where you get the uh, uh, linoleum and all that stuff, and, and, and everyone just rents. We'll determine the right time in the lease-up process to sell these assets. Yes. Demand for single-family rentals is incredibly strong. You know what? That part is absolutely true. Come into a neighborhood near you. The new rental homes. Brand new. No money down. Right? Low credit score, bad credit, ugly wife. Come on down. We got one for you. Patriot Radio News Hour, Final 7, coming up. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Uh Gold continuing. Uh, all coming all the way back now. Uh, down five fourteen twenty. Uh, if you go to our website, you'll see it's, it's up five six bucks now. Uh, but still fourteen twenty on on gold as uh, we're digesting economic data. Uh, huge huge news when we're thinking about gold and central bank buying. 
And, and of course, I've been saying, listen, you got to be your own central bank. A record today. Uh, this just released in the second quarter. Gold demand trends reports. Uh, the council said central banks bought a total of 224 metric tons in the second quarter. That is an all-time record high since they've been keeping the data. If that number kept up annualized, that put them, what, right, really round up here, 900 metric tons for the year if it kept up. By the way, the first half of the year, a new all-time record high, 374.1 metric tons purchased by central banks. It's the highest first half of a year on record since they've been keeping the data. Remember last year, it was the second highest level ever. You had to go all the way back to the 60s. Remember, and of course, I've educated you on why we closed the gold window. We're going to run out of gold. right? We had 20,000 metric tons of gold after World War after World War II, uh, by the time Nixon closed the gold window, we had 8,000. And so now, now the central banks are going to shatter a record for the most amount of gold buying uh, ever. By the way, they also said total global demand. Total global demand. Second quarter, 1,100 in 23 metric tons. Uh, if you annualize that, uh, that would put gold demand at essentially 4,500 metric tons. Uh, so the bullish case for gold uh, ever more apparent uh, as the uh, gold demand off the charts, especially central banks, uh, 200, over 200 metric tons, uh, 224 metric tons in a single quarter. Make sure you have your house in order. Because like I said, these banks don't operate in a vacuum. They're all talking to each other. Right? Whatever's coming, whatever's coming, they already know what it is. Right? We're left trying to figure it out. Right? We try to just collect all the pieces to the puzzle and try to figure it out. The problem is it takes a decade, two decades, three decades to get all the pieces. And I and I just keep thinking about it all the time. If they're doing it, there's a reason. And you know what? I I I I think I you know, and I think all of us kind of know what it is, right? Major uh global reset. Uh, that sounds like the most logical thing, a, a, a digital currency and, and all of those things and huge devaluations of wealth. Uh, have that gold ready. It's never going to be, and it was never meant to be. How much is your 401K or your IRA? How much does it weigh? 800-951-0592. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back tomorrow.